Hello, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. We're here to connect, encourage, and empower you to radiate the message of Jesus to yourself, your neighbors, and the world. I'm your host, Steve Presswood. I'm on the phone today with Daniel Wigley, a good friend of mine, lived in my house for a little while with me, so we got to experience his senior year uh, with him uh, living with Cindy and I. Daniel, it's good to have you on the podcast with me today. Good to be here. Daniel, tell a podcast audience, some who won't know you, of course, some who do, but uh, tell us a little about yourself, if you would, please. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, born and raised in Weatherford, Texas, about four hours south of OSU. Ended up going to OSU after high school, studied mechanical engineering, graduated in 2018 in May, when worked for ExxonMobil for a short while, and then ended up moving back to Fort Worth to be closer to my family. And now I work for Lockheed Martin, and I work on the F-35 program as a manufacturing test engineer. That's a little bit about me. Super. So um, if we were to ask you to tell us something that many people don't know about you, even some of your friends here at OSU, is there anything you could report? They don't know about me. Even my friends at OSU. I'm just a really transparent guy, so that's actually a pretty tough one for me. Uh, okay, so here's one that uh, I know some of your friends at OSU may not know about because you're not bragging about it, uh, but it's a lot of fun for me because I love motorcycles. Tell me what you got in the garage right now. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, I have a Triumph Street Triple R uh, 675. It's a it's like a street fighter, uh, not quite full super sport, but a little street fighter sport bike. That's pretty fun. So what's its reputation? Uh, it's it's not too wild. It's like middle of the road. You know, you don't you aren't flying around on what they call a crotch rocket. You know, being wild and going 200 miles an hour down the freeway. But if you wanted to go, I follow I follow the law and only drive the speed limit. But if you wanted to go really fast, you could. But it's a pretty safe bike. It's not a racing bike. Yeah, top end speed. Oh, I think 142. On paper, I haven't been there. That's pretty quick. Yeah, it's faster than I like to go. You get a little, uh, you get a bit of tank slapping at certain speeds if you're not careful. Mm. Get a little scary. Yeah. Well, you lived with us for a while, so you got to see us uh, hair down, so to speak. That is, <laughs> of course, not literal. Uh, but uh, you got any funny stories from your time living with us? God, oh, I was thinking. Yeah, I think I think one of it's simple, but it's funny to me because I remember we first moved in. And I was living with you and Cindy, and then uh, upstairs I was with Jackson Mayberry and Jacob Cheatham. And uh, one time we came home and we had bought some Bluebell ice cream. And we just, I mean, we would eat dinner with you on uh, Monday evenings was the family dinner. And we would then finish and go, man, we want some ice cream. And we bought this little Bluebell portion size and, and we ate the whole thing in one evening. We decided that that really wasn't enough for us and so we found out through a friend i think jacob found out or someone found out that you can go to brahms and you can buy a cube of ice cream for thirty dollars <laughs> so we bought hey what's a cube it's like a hundred scoops or something i want you to imagine like a 25 pound box of ice cream <laughs> so we bought this thing we come home with it cindy's looking at us like what is that we're like it's ice cream and all our members for the next 
two weeks, maybe three, it didn't take us long. And you joined in. Uh, every night, we would all make a huge bowl of ice cream, peanut butter and chocolate and whatever else we could think to put on it. And we would eat it. And then we would see who could fall asleep the fastest on the couch because that seemed to be the race that we had. And then we finished that one and we went to go get a second one. And <laughs> yeah. all I remember is we got the second one and we got about halfway through. And I don't think any of us ate Brahms ice cream the rest of the semester. We were so sick of it. <laughs> um, so there's that all yeah. year. That was a pretty funny memory to me. And or uh, Yeah, what's exciting to do one time or twice <laughs> uh, may lose its luster after a while. Yeah, exactly. Or I think a really funny one. I just this just came to my mind is when we were quoting Monty Python to each other a bunch and we went and we said, We gotta watch this and we, we all made our ice cream and we sat down to watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I remember not a single one of us laughed through the entire movie and we finished it. And you were in your little <laughs> rocking chair and you popped the seat down and you go, Well, I think I've seen that for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, what's something you've experienced in work post-graduation that you didn't expect? A lot of unexpected things came. Uh, change is difficult. Even after I've been told of things to expect, when they happened, they were still surprising to me. Yeah, a big one for me was um, relating to ministry. There's a couple things. And then relating to just work, there's a couple things. Um, relating to ministry there's an obstinance towards or an aversion from spiritual things more so than in college. College people are ready to talk about spiritual things. They're excited. They're there to learn, to grow their horizons, so to speak. And so, you know, engaging on spiritual topics is almost expected or encouraged or welcomed. Uh, you join the workforce and you've got a 50 year old, you got somebody who's about to retire. You got a mom with two kids. You got people your age. Uh, those people don't want to talk about those things. Uh, you're there to work. You're there to do a job, which is true. Um, and that's a good thing. But in a way, I guess I was surprised because people don't want to talk about Jesus. They don't want to hear you talk about scripture. They don't want to talk about philosophical truth or things. They just kind of want to do their job and go home. It's not always true. There's a couple individuals that you'll find that are willing to engage. But for the most part, people do not trust you with that part of their life very easily. And so I think spiritually speaking, I realized that it's a lot slower. Um, the game plan doesn't change, but just the pace. So it's still Jesus. It's still his word. It's still discipleship. It's still praying and seeking and trying to serve your coworkers. Uh, but it's just slow, man. And uh, I was surprised. You know, I've got a couple of coworkers who are pretty, pretty stout atheists, and they get pretty angry. They don't want to talk about Jesus. That kind of shocked me. I haven't really encountered that because I grew up in Texas, went to school in Oklahoma. But pretty, pretty uh, adamant about it. Um, just work in general, I would say one of the things that surprised me is two. I don't know why it surprised me what we see in the scriptures, but just sin and corruption in the white collar world. I think you think that because you're in a professional job that there isn't brokenness or that the system works well, or sorry, not you. Maybe I did, but I got in there and you can just you can just see a lot of brokenness, a lot of corruption, a lot of greed, a lot of things that just don't work the way they should, ideally, but we live in a broken world and that makes sense the other thing was that i expected adults to be mature and to act like adults and they do not um, and that's probably because i had good parents and so my perception of adults are my parents or you or anybody that influenced me i'm thinking this is what adults act like they're mature they're responsible they treat each other with respect 
they think about others before themselves or they try to. And you really encounter a lot of overgrown 18-year-olds, just a ton of them all over the place. And it'll shock you. It'll shock you. You feel like you're talking to someone who never made it past 23 mentally. And that's just where they're at. Yeah. Work can be quite the teacher. Well, uh, you've uh, grown, I know, in a lot of ways. You've grown in your walk. Um, What do you wish you would have known about following God when you were in college? I uh, had a lot of time to reflect on this idea, ironically. Uh, For those listening that don't know my story, I graduated in 2018. I went and worked for ExxonMobil in Southeast Texas, and I I just did not do well. I was stressed. Uh, I missed my friends dearly. It was far from my family. I didn't have community. I lived in a house with guys that were always gone and working because we all worked for oil and gas and our weird schedules. I just imploded. I really struggled. Because of my struggle, I ran to God, but I just don't remember ever feeling that way. And so it really pushed me to examine what was going on and why was I responding so poorly to a situation that was difficult because of work and difficult because of a, uh, another a relationship I was trying to make work um, long distance. I think a couple of things you know, factors added in made that messy, but I just had time to reflect on this question. Uh, one of those things was that I wish I had known about the joy of following God on my own. And so upon reflection, I realized that a lot of my time, and a lot of my faith had built, been built around the navs and the time I spent in groups, physically with other people, whether I was in Iba Hall, always with people in the dorm, or I was at a group, or I was on library lawn, or I was studying with someone I didn't do well alone. I'm a natural extrovert. And so it's it's hard to have a vibrant walk with God if you're dependent on something other than God, even though it's other people. And nowhere in scripture do we see that God says you you must learn to be by yourself, always by yourself and don't need anybody else. We know that no man is an island and God commands us in Hebrews 10 that we should not forsake assembly. We should gather together. But God doesn't have spiritual grandchildren. He's only got spiritual children. And I really struggled because I would get up and have a quiet time and I just felt alone. I felt sad. I felt disconnected. And even when I moved back to uh, Fort Worth to be closer to my family, this was something I continued to dig into. Part of that is just transition and change is difficult. You know, moving from where I grew the most that I've ever grown, uh, which was at OSU, grew a lot spiritually there, but still made me dig deep and realized that, um, Am I satisfied? Do I feel loved? Do I know the truth? Do I feel filled up, as Jesus says in John, like I've, I've ate and I'm no longer hungry and I drink and I'm no longer thirsty? Like, Do I feel that way after I spend time with God alone or do I need other people? Do I need extroverted interaction to get there? And if I ever walk with God, says uh, that you should be able to go to God alone as David did and as many people did and, and spend time with them as our Savior did, as Jesus did. You know, he went and spent time with God alone. So that's that's a big one. Just wish I had known about the joy of following God. And I think one more that was uh, pretty obvious as soon as I started working, because I started making more money than I'd ever made, was the cost. Um, and you had spoken to me, Steve, plenty of times about a lot of men start well and they don't finish well. And we even see that in the scripture. David was a man after God's own heart. And in his later years, he kind of let go 
of his kingdom and his, his kids were a little wild and just he just didn't finish so hot. And so it's an opportunity for all of us that we can finish well if we so choose to do. So for me, I wish I would have known in college that following God was a lifelong commitment and that it was a daily choice, not a choice, but the choice every day to say your way, God, not my way. Your will, not mine. These are your finances, not my finances. These are your possessions, not my possessions. This is your time, not my time. These are your dreams, not my dreams. You know, it really does encompass everything, and God is asking for your everything. And that's been um, tough, but really freeing. I wish I would have known that in college, because maybe my transition would have been a little bit easier. I'm still learning that. But uh, you're going to get in the world, and you're going to work. And you're going to put 40 or 50 hours in the plant, and you're just going to become distracted really easily. And you're going to forget why it is that God redeemed you. He redeemed you at a cost, and so he paid for you at a cost. So what do you owe him? Well, you owe him your life because he gave you his. So that's just, I mean, that's just something I wish I would have known. I'm still learning it, but yeah. So cost and joy. That's good. You know, the, uh, the idea that we need to make this decision to lay down our life, to follow Christ, to make him Lord every day is a difficult one, I think, to get a hold of. Uh, you can know it. Uh, and yet, I think sometimes we believe that I can make this decision and be done with it. I can be serious enough that I can uh, make the commitment to Christ. And there are days when we feel like, this is it, man. I'm giving it my all, and it's forever. And yet, uh, five days from now, it may be the hardest decision you'll make. So, boy, you're so right. We still have to make that one every day. Well, <clears throat> tell me something that's going on currently in your walk with God, something that God's teaching you that uh, has been exciting for you? So the year 2020 has been marked with more relational hurt and just heartache than I probably would ever care to deal with ever again. But in that, um, God has revealed a lot about me and, and really has taught me a lot. Uh, specifically right now, I was uh, reading in Luke over the last month, and I'm also reading a book by Robbie Zacharias. Um, with that, those are my two reading um, places right now. And I read this quiet time the other day, and these these ideas were rolling together, and it was helpful for me. So this comes out of Luke 11, look at verse 13. Um, this is the verse where Jesus is um, telling the disciples how to pray, um, and then he tells them to keep searching and asking, and to to keep seeking God in prayer and keep asking him. But what does he instruct him to ask for? He says in verse 13, he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Um, we know in other gospel accounts that Jesus says something similar. He says, How much more will the Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask of him? But here he specifically says in Luke's account, Luke accounts it as the Holy Spirit. Um, how I take that to, to be is that the Holy Spirit is the best thing that God can give us. Uh, if God is who he says he is, then more of himself is the thing that I need. That was so relevant to me because in the season of relationships and trying to seek a relationship, trying to find fulfillment or happiness or hope really is what is hope in that. When they failed me, it was very painful and it hurt. 
but those types of things don't ever fulfill. And I also think one of the lessons for me is that God sometimes, not always, I don't want to speak for God, but sometimes God is using that to teach you that that's not what you need, but you need him. Um, so for me specifically, I feel like I've been learning that, you know, these people have, you know, free will to make their choices and I made my choices. And so some of the pain that I experienced was because of my own dumb choices. But this was really touching to me because I realized I need to seek and ask God as Jesus is instructing him earlier in chapter 11 to keep knocking, to keep asking, to ask God to give me more of his spirit so that I might love him above all other things. And that I might choose him above lesser things that don't actually bring joy. This ties into the earlier question, you know, what I wish I had known. How do you find joy? How do we seek God and, and find our joy in him alone? Um, interesting, you know, a little bit of extra biblical ideas on that is reading Robbie's book. And he's talking about um, wonder. But he has a little sentence in here where he talks about uh, hope. And he talks about what that ultimate hope is. And so he, he gives this comparison between a homeless man and someone that's uh, very wealthy and has attained a lot of things. Um, but he starts out by saying that, you see, fulfilled dreams are not necessarily fulfilled hopes. And attainment and fulfillment are not the same. Many dream and wish for the attainments that would make them the envy of our world. Career, positions, possessions, romance. These are real goals pursued by the vast majority who are deluded into believing that succeeding in these areas brings fulfillment. He goes on and he talks about this homeless person and comparing him to maybe someone who's attained all these goals. And he says, basically, I believe it's possible that those who have attained every dream may at least be impoverished as the man at the dump, perhaps even more. As they bask in the accolades, accolades, knowing that the charade is shattered by the aloneness within them. We soon realize that the contrast between the two may only be in the access to things and in the adulation received, and that it is not necessarily true that in one, the greatest hunger, not only to dream, but for the dream to deliver what was hoped for has been fulfilled. That is the ultimate hope. And so he points out the ultimate hope is that the dream would deliver what you were actually hoping for. See, I, I, by seeking something other than God, I'm hoping that it will deliver what I'm really longing for. But what we're all really longing for is for God. This is what C.S. Lewis's entire apologetic was built out of, was that there was something in us that seeks something to fill us. And we just, we really do like children. We're like blind people. We, we walk through the dark, as Isaiah says, and we, and we, you know, we crawl and we look and we seek. And we need Christ to open our eyes. But even then, as we're open, opened eyes, and we see, we still go to those other things. But thank God, Christ is patient enough. And so I don't find it, um, that's not the way I want to say that. I find it amazing, and it makes sense, that later in Luke's gospel, as you go on into Luke 12, what does God say? A chapter later, Jesus assures his disciples, and he says, Hey guys, God delights, and that's a beautiful word. God delights to give you his kingdom, right? And so they, this is, you know, not necessarily about praying and asking, but they're saying, hey, like, 
should we worry about stuff? And he goes on, he's like, look, like God's going to clothe you and give you food and give you what you need. But even more than that, God delights to give you his kingdom. So what's the kingdom? And the scriptures are just helpful. And so this, this is my quiet time. It was just really fulfilling to me because Colossians 1.13, Paul says we've come out of darkness into, into God's kingdom. But then he gives a definition in Romans 14, 17 of what the kingdom is. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can look at God's kingdom, but essentially God's reign and rule over all humanity. But Paul says that God's kingdom isn't in eating or drinking or other things. He says it's in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it was so fulfilling to me because that verse ties right back into Luke eleven thirteen. You ask for the Holy Spirit. That's the best thing God can give you. And I've been struggling with joy. And so there it is. God, that's what Paul says. Hey, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's been something God's been teaching me. And I put my phone, you know, for those of you listening and talking about practical application and, and trying to find a way to make what you read happen. Um, sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it's not complicated. Sometimes it looks like this. I take my phone and I set it at the foot of my dresser and I wrote out that verse on a big piece of graph paper because I'm an engineer, engineering student and I still have graph paper. <laughs> and I uh, taped that verse onto my dresser, written large. And so the alarm clock, you know, you think you're going to become an adult and be super disciplined and never want to hit the snooze button. That's wrong. The alarm clock will go off and I'll get up and I'll have to get out of my bed, walk across the room. And I pick it up at the foot of the dresser. And when I go to lean down and pick it up and I pick my head back up, I see that verse. And I'm reminded this is something that I've struggled with. This is something that I have not believed. And I'm going to believe God on his word over my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pray right now because I'm up. God, would you give me more of your spirit today? Not something else that I think mm -hmm. I want. So. Wow, that's fun. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that. So you mentioned a couple of authors that you've really enjoyed, Ravi Zacharias, C.S. Lewis. Give me a couple of others that you've read that are real favorites for you. Yeah, I got my bookshelf behind me. Um, I really like A.W. Tozer. He's a good author. And then another one that I read that I enjoy is, where is he at? He's actually gone now. He's no longer with us, but uh, Nabil Qureshi. Nabil Qureshi was a good resource um, for apologetics and just understanding the Muslim faith a little bit better. So I enjoyed reading him. Hmm. Thanks for spending time with me today, Daniel. It's been really fun to talk with you. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, your time. Uh, look forward to talking to you soon outside of the podcast. So anyway, thanks for visiting with me here. Thanks for having me, Steve. Thanks for tuning in to Radiate. You can continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect to us online at osunavs.org and on Instagram at osunavs. See you next time. And until then, keep radiating the message of Jesus.